0: Welcome to Season 2, Episode 24 of Motivate Me 313's Podcast. We are officially live. As you can see, we got the full squad in the building today. This is our, oh no, actually we had a show last week. I'm sorry, everybody was here last week. But to the right of me, you got little big sis, Sarata Thabit, or little sis, Sarah but not big sis, little sis, Sarata Thabit. <laughs> of course, you got myself, Omar Thabit, here. You got big sis here, Ibir Thabit. And our guest for today is Dr. Muna Maori. She's in the building. Today, Hi. if that name <laughs> if that name sounds familiar, I feel like we've had her cousins, sisters, and everybody on the show. Uh, Masha but you know, Salwa maori For those that don't know, uh, she's been on our show a couple times. Actually, one for her book, and then the second one was really just uh, just what, what was the second one about? We were just talking about. Um, I think it was just about reading and stuff I, like that, I, and, and in general. Had a
1: pub that when we ch- Published a book? Yeah, I think that's
0: what it was. Um, uh, after she published and how yeah. the update and all that. So, but today we have Muna Maudi, and today we're going to be talking about why councils need wards. So we're going to be discussing that topic and everything like that. So before we continue on, we got to make sure that you subscribe to all of our pages. First of all, YouTube Oz Media. You got Facebook and Instagram and TikTok under Oz Media. You can listen to the show later on Apple and Spotify podcast under Oz Media. And if you want to call in, if this is a discussion that you are passionate about and you want to share your two cents feel free to call in i got the phone right here next to me the number is 313-306-1750 again 313-306-1750 we got to give a shout out to the sponsors the balkan house handling international academy Cafe house and bc adhesives just recently someone asked where's a great spot to eat that's not yemeni food because i guess they keep on eating yemeni food <laughs> and i told him <clears throat> you cannot look no further than the balkan house restaurant great place Also, I do want to start saying this. Last year, you know, there was a day right before Ramadan where 100% of their proceeds, 100% of their sales went to Yemen and we went live. We will be doing that that again this year uh, and she's up for that. Again, she's the one that recommended that. She is Juma Ekej, the owner. We appreciate her. So shout out to the Balkan House. March 21st, mark your calendars. 100% of sales is going to be going to Yemen, Turkey, and Syria. So we appreciate them. Uh, Go ahead, Ramsey, and run that Balkan House ad, and then we'll get the show going and on the road. Shout out to the Balkan House. The Balkan House Restaurant. The Balkan House Restaurant is famous for their donut kebab sandwich. But did you know that the Balkan House now serves breakfast? Did you also know that all their food is 100% halal? The Balkan House now also have two food trucks. So you can book your next party or event with the Balkan House on wheels. Their hemtramic location is 3028 Kniff Street, hemtramic, Michigan. Their Ferndale location is 314 West Nam Mile Road, Ferndale, Michigan. Again, you can book their food trucks for your next party or event. So if you're looking for a nice place to eat with friendly service and great prices, look no further than the Balkan House restaurants. All right, so <laughs> with that said, Dr. Mona Maori. First of all, thank you for coming today. We really do appreciate you coming out here. Uh, by the way, this was a long time coming, all right? We've been trying to get Mona on the show for, I don't know how, I mean, maybe since her sister was on the show, we've been trying to get her on the show. Alhamdulillah, we've been able to do it. Uh, not the first to do it because she's not a professional podcaster, <laughs> right? But first time doing it live. So, first of all, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? What is it that you do and everything, that you, everything in between?
2: First of all, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here with you guys. Um, my name is Munal Maori. I am a Yemeni American. Um, I was born and raised here in Dearborn, uh, Michigan, until the age of nine years old, and my family and I moved to Yemen. Um, I lived there, uh, went to school there, middle school there, lived there for nine years, and then came back and finished uh, the last year and a half of my high school here at Fortson High School. Um, And then after that, I went to Henry Ford College for my pre-pharmacy classes. And then I uh, went to Wayne State, uh, did my doctor of pharmacy there. Um, And now I'm a pharmacist. Uh, I co-own a pharmacy in Down River. I'm also a mother of a beautiful, <laughs> almost 18-year-old girl. She's going to be 18 next month, Malak, who, whom I'm very, very proud of. Um, and yeah, that's about it.
0: And that's great. Go ahead, Amir.
3: Um, you shocked me there with those seven years in in Yemen. Yeah. Nine years. Oh, nine, nine years. Nine. nine. I'm sorry. Um, we. My dad, Allahir Hamah, he tried to get us to actually go to school in Yemen like three times. Mm-hmm. Okay. And each time it was like not the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember the first time we were really young. Um, I was. A first I don't even grader. remember that. No, no. Even before that. He oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to make us say it. Before, I was, before like, I was born. In first grade or whatever. It didn't work out. We came back. And then when I was in eighth grade and she was. What grade were you in? I then? was first grade. yeah, and, and Oh, three. I was were, in sixth grade. And girl, what was it? Three months?
0: Yeah. Not even. We, not we even, came uh, back in October. October.
3: Yeah. 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 I'm in tears. Like, we were crying. We were, I was begging my parents. I'm like, I don't even want to go to school anymore. I can just cook for you guys. And, and, uh, it was, you know, it
1: wasn't, it wasn't it. And then the, the third, time, third time, we well, third time in total, they went to him. And I was a sixth grader. Uh, he went back. He just stayed for the summer. And yeah. you were done with, like, high yeah, school. Yeah, I was already done
3: with high school at that time. And
1: we ended up staying 11 months. So me and my younger sister were kind of forced to stay almost finished the school year because like we ended up paying to finish the school year and um i was a sixth grader she was a third grader and i like i literally little to i only knew a little to know like little to can't speak literally like an, basically no arabic yeah and um you know everything there was all arabic then they had one english class so we ended up they ended up transferring me and my sister to be first graders Mm. So I was a I'm sixth telling you it was hard. <laughs> I was a sixth grader. I was sixth grader in first grade, and it was like it was more so because like, like sixth listen.
2: grader in first grade. Yeah. Oh my. Literally,
1: goodness. and it was more. It was more so because my dad was like, "I want them to learn Quran," so that's the level that they're at. Because we went to Arabic school here, but mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, so literally we were we were stayed in first grade for like five months mm-hmm. until it was time for us to go back and. So Somehow things transferred and I grad like I, I I went to the level, you know, went to seventh grade the next year. And
3: <laughs> people don't realise how rigorous uh the curriculum in
1: Yemen is. Yes. Oh yeah. yeah. No, everything is like yes. you have to uh memorize. Everything is pages. memorizing, yeah. Everything yeah. is memorizing. I don't think they're like really actually understanding the besides the Quran part. But like the science, the math, everything. My sister in law used to just tell me, Memorize it and you will that's the test. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I can't I don't even know how to like I didn't know how to spell it. A nothing, nothing everything. at all.
2: So tell us yeah, there. tell us about your experience. What year was this when you guys went back the second time? The last
1: time? time when I was in sixth grade
2: was oh eight. And then and then the first time? The first time was um oh four. Yeah. No. Oh, four? Okay. Oh, three. Oh, three,
0: my bad. Oh, three. three.
2: And were were you guys in the village or the capital?
3: No. No, the capital. We went to a private school. Oh, Oh, my God. Okay. You guys are
2: brats. (laughs) 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 You guys are literally brats. Uh, Let me tell you my story. Please. (laughs) So, 1994. I was nine years old. My family, most of us, you know, moved to Yemen because my parents wanted us to learn Arabic and the culture and the religion. Um, I was so sad. I didn't want to leave my um, my school, my friends, um, and my dad. Actually, had to stay back to manage the business here. So I was really sad that you know um, I was leaving my dad because I was super super close with my dad. Mm-hmm. So, I get to Yemen and we live in uh, in the capital, okay. but this was 1994. So, mm-hmm. it did not look the way it looked when you guys yeah. went there in 04 and 08. So
1: and okay. in was was uh, it was popping at that time too. Like that's when things were starting to grow yes. to have there was more going on so. Yeah, yeah, yeah there was a lot friends. there was a lot
2: going on. It was beautiful. So in 1994 we um uh we lived in a suburb uh a new suburb in in the capital Sana.
3: Al-Asbahiyah. Al-Asbahiyah Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <That's the difference. laughs> yes.
2: Yeah. Okay, but you don't know how, how I know yeah, you don't know how it used to be. So uh, we get there and it's um, you know the the roads are still not paved um in the majority of of the capital actually. Only the major roads were paved um and so our first year, we went to a private school, the Pakistani school. So everything was in English except two classes were mm-hmm. Arabic and Islam- Islamiat. Okay. So um, I would walk out uh, because I didn't understand Arabic. So oh. in the Arabic class and Islam- Islamic studies class, I would walk out like the Christian students and the, <laughs> and the Hindu students uh, because I didn't understand. Yeah. Um, but I passed that year. That was fourth grade, right? And then, uh, when I was in fifth grade, uh, my mom moved us to a public school in al Um So that school was very interesting. Uh, we sat on dusty rugs <laughs> on the floor. We didn't have any, this was 1994, we didn't have any, um, you know, Yemen is a third wor- world country. Right, it right. was still uh, in the beginning stages of developing. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Uh, we didn't have you know um, desks or chairs uh, sat on a dusty rug, and uh, you know um it was quite an experience It was a culture shock for us um, but what i what really was eye opening for me is even though everyone over there had so little mm-hmm. um and we're used to having everything here in in the states um People were just so content, were so happy, were so kind. Like, it was a different culture there. It was so eye-opening. So looking at how they lived their lives in Yemen, it made me um, never want to take anything for granted. For sure.
0: So... Thank you for sharing that, by the way. For people that want to always know the experience, obviously everybody might have different experiences too. And you said you went there till about 11th grade, right? Is that what you said? Or
2: Yeah, so I came back. Uh, eventually, by the way, I, I lived there for nine years, but eventually Yemen developed, like the capital developed, and the roads ended up being paved, and we ended up getting um, desks and, <laughs> and chairs in our classrooms and... Uh, more and more businesses opened up. It was a beautiful thing to witness. And Yemen is really cool. It's really beautiful. It's not what, you know, the media uh, usually portrays here in the U.S. So, yeah, Um, yeah, I came back. I was um, 18 years old when I came back. I did my last year and a half of high school at Fortson High School. And uh, when I came back, so over there in Yemen, Yemen, First, when I got and I didn't know how to speak English. So when they put us in the public school, I I failed fifth grade.
3: You didn't know how to speak Arabic?
2: Because I didn't know how to yeah, speak Arabic. Yeah, yeah, yes. And I, didn't, I definitely did not know how to read and write in Arabic. Yeah. So I failed fifth grade. I had to repeat it. And then, um, you know, eventually it worked out. I was, you know, the top of my class. Every, you know, after that, every year I was the top of my class. So it worked out. Um, and then when I... But over there in Yemen, not, not too many people spoke English. So I didn't use the language as much. So when I came back in high school, I had forgotten how to speak English. Yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> so like another struggle.
2: So that was uh, another culture shock for me. Like, I, I feel like I could understand a little bit, but it was really difficult for me to speak. Um, and so, you know, it took me a while to to relearn the language um, it was challenging, but I kept pushing until I relearned it and uh, and got gra- your doctorate degree and, and, and graduated pharmacy. and got my doctor degree in pharmacy you know and yeah,
0: <laughs> MashaAllah, very very yeah. impressive. Yeah.
2: <laughs> that
3: honestly inspires not only the girls that are here, even the girls that just came, you know, to the US. Yeah, that's
2: beautiful.
0: So you mentioned earlier you do some kind of activism. So what kind of activism do you take part in?
2: Um. So on my free time, I really like to uh, work within the community. I like to advocate for our community. Um, I like to um, um, encourage people to be civically engaged in our community because it's so important. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, Politicians deal, they're the decision makers uh, of, of the things that uh, have to do with our day-to-day lives. Um, And so it's so important to be civically engaged, to vote, to do voter education. Um, I've worked on um, a few campaigns um, trying to get out the Yemeni vote, trying to get uh, get out the Arabi vote to make sure that, you know, our voices are heard and that we have appropriate and and qualified representation. Um, Right now, the biggest project I'm working on is um, uh, council wards or... uh, you know, districted elections. So, uh, in the city of Dearborn, our charter is being currently being revised. So, um, and it's, and this is a once in a every, you know, this, we only get this chance every 12 years. So I feel like this is a once in a lifetime opportunity for us to, uh, revise our, our charter and make it more fair, make it more inclusive, um, and, and change the current uh, election, you know, election system that we have. So currently we have an at-large election system for uh, the city council and for the charter commission and even for the school board. And what that means is everybody in the city, everyone uh, gets to vote for the same seven c- uh, city council seats and the same uh, nine charter commission seats. And so what happens is when you have large voter blocks in the city, they tend to dominate and they tend to dictate who occupies those seats. Mm -hmm. So right now, the city council is made up of seven seats. Six of those seats are occupied by people who live in the West End, in in Dearborn's West End. And only one person uh, lives in the East End and the South End has no representation whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Um, same thing with the charter commission. Uh, out of the nine seats, eight uh, of the commissioners live in the West End. Uh, only one person lives in the East End, and no, no one. There's no South End representation on the charter commission, um, and that's uh, that's a problem because it creates disparities. Um, it gives a voice to certain parts of the city, and definitely. Uh, neglects and silences other parts of the city. So we have the West End is is overrepresented. Um, all of the elected politicians live in a in like a very close uh, from each other, like proximity. in one. Yes, uh, close proximity from each other um, in one area in the West End. And uh, so they're overrepresented. The West End is very developed, provides a comfortable living, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you look at other regions of the city, the East End and the South End, it, the difference is like day and night. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they if you go to the, for example, if you go to the South End, um, the disparities and the issues and the injustices that they have to deal with on a daily basis are mind boggling. Um, you know, the, the, they have some of the worst roads in the county. They have to deal with air pollution from the corporate polluters. Um, what else? They um, it, it, It's just a lot that they have to deal with, and it's uh, it's very inhumane. Um, and these things are not going to start changing uh, until they have a seat at the decision-making mm-hmm. table. They're guaranteed uh, a represent a representative who lives in the South End um,
0: to, you know, represent them. So, <coughs> let me ask you this question, uh, and this is like more so like, I guess the the, the opposing view of wards, because, you know, when I was reading up on it, you know, one of the opposing views were, you know, is the city large enough to have wards? What is your response to that? What do you feel like that? Because there are people, you know, bigger cities that have wards. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dearborn is a relatively big city, but what is your response back to, if someone were to say, like, "Is a city even big enough to have wards?" What would you say to that one?
2: Yeah. So I think there's um, studies out there and, and um, that um, that say that you know uh, in a city as with a population like Dearborns, where we have like uh, over a hundred thousand people who live in the city, um, that wards have shown to be very you know successful and beneficial. Um, I think it's usually the smaller cities that don't really you yeah. know, show um, benefit but yeah.
0: For sure, for sure so go a- ahead.
3: Anyone that comes to Dearborn could definitely see the difference mm-hmm. you know it's not like it's um, like you were saying before in the south and there's a lot of um, uh, manufacturing buildings and uh, We've since I've been born there have been issues with uh, the, the pollution, pollution. Yeah. and uh, all that goes with that as well um, so in your hindsight of like a, a great, you know, how many seats do you think each area should have or what, like, what, are you, what would you
2: like to see? So going back to the pollution, um, that creates a lot of health problems. And we see cancer rates and asthma rates and COPD rates on a rise in the south end. Uh, people dying from cancer, you know. And so it's causing a lot of health issues. Um, and the people haven't been silent. They've been speaking up. They've been demanding change. But it's, it's you know, and they, they show up to council meetings. They show up to charter commission meetings. They, they show up to other uh, city commission meetings. And it's just not yielded the change that they need. Um, what was the other part of your question?
3: Um, what would you like to see?
2: Okay, so what I would like to see is districted elections. So we break the city into wards or districts, smaller wards and districts, mm. right? How
0: many do you think is good for Dearborn?
2: i in my opinion, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, yeah. think, I think nine would be great. I, so I'm advocating for an all ward system, mm. all districts, no at large seats. Um, because what happens when you have at large, let's say some people say, okay, let's have three at large seats and the rest, uh, maybe five districted seats or, or four districted seats. Um, what happens when you do that is, um, you know, for example, let's talk about the West End as, a, as an example. They'll have their maybe two dis- districted seats, right? And then they're most likely going to also get the two at large seats. So that puts them in a majority already, which brings us back to square one, um, inequitable representation. And that's what we're trying to get rid of. So I'm advocating for an all-ward system. Um, Ideally, I think um, it would be nice to have nine council seats and nine charter commission seats, uh, all districted seats. Um, And the reason for that is because I think uh, state law says that the charter commission has to have nine seats so in my mind I'm like instead of doing you know creating seven districts for council and then nine different ones for the charter might as well just do nine nine for each yeah. it makes the process easier um, and so each region of the city including the south end the east end the west end there's a, a community in, in the west end in the Soria er- uh, soda area Uh, that feels very marginalized. They feel like they're not represented well. They feel neglected, and they would like to have a seat at the table as well. Mm -hmm. So this is an issue that does not just um, affect the South End. This is actually, if you think about it, the majority of Dearborners want wards because there's a group in the West End that would prefer it, Uh, the East End prefers it, and also the South End prefers it. Um so
0: I was gonna say, why do those residents feel like they're disconnected from the council? Like what do you what are some of their reasonings behind that or explanations?
2: So the council people most of the council people don't live in those localized areas. Most of them live in a very affluent area in the West End. Okay. And most of them are either um Most of them are middle class or wealthy, you know, upper class. Um, And so they don't know the day to day struggles of the people living in those certain areas. Absolutely. So we want experts from our neighborhoods Mm. to represent us. Experts from our neighborhoods who understand the daily injustices, who live the daily injustices. So they they know when to, you know, show up and speak up on council, and they know when to follow up when, when you know, something needs following up because a lot of times people start talking about an issue and then they forget it. Right. Um, but someone who lives in the area knows, okay, this hasn't been followed up on. We, we need more work on this. We need you guys to finish this up or, you know? Yeah.
0: No, I, I it's, it's a great, I, I love what you're saying. And, you know, you're kind of knocking all the points right now. And I'm just wondering, like, every city kind of could use that, to be honest with yeah. you. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of cities that, you know, the the council, you know, they're always, the council typically are living, you know, mid to high, you know, level income and everything like that. Whereas, you know, they're not really focused maybe on the area that's probably struggling the most. More times than not.
1: So to basically sum it up, you're just trying to fight for representation in in every,
2: all of Dearborn. You want it to be obligated. Yes, I want it to be a requirement. Okay. I want everyone to be guaranteed a voice on city council and on the charter commission. And I think I, ju- I want equity. That's yeah. what equity is all about, right? Yeah. The at-large system to me... <laughs>
0: there you go, the,
2: <laughs> the at-large system to me is a form of... To me, it's a form of voter suppression Yeah, because... How many times have you seen people get excited in the South End and East End about, a, about certain candidates and they go out and vote and they're just so excited? Um, but at the end of the day, none of their preferred candidates can win because there's a larger voter block you know, on, a, on a, another they, side of the city. They're not set up for success. They dominate, yes. So the, this system is rigged against us. It's rigged against minorities. It's rigged against low-income communities um, who uh, can't raise uh, a lot of money to run uh, a council race or a charter commission race? Uh, who don't have access to wealthy donors? Um, and and to me, I just want to level the playing field. I want I want it to be fair. And we have some really talented folks from all over the city. Our talent is not just in the west end. <laughs> we have a lot of talented folks folks in the east end. In the uh, in the south and everywhere, and I think everyone should get a chance, uh, a, a fair chance.
0: Is there a north end of Dearborn? I've never heard any. Oh my god, I was going to ask the that. north end? Of is there a north you end? Can tell
2: are not from yeah. <laughs> Okay, so uh, I don't know what they, I honestly don't know what they call it. Uh, is because it northwest or something? I'm not sure. I'm okay. not sure, but there is you know some. So, type but what of. area is that? Um. Again, I don't know. I don't know if it's the Soda area that I was uh, referring to earlier okay. or if that's Southwest. I don't know, honestly.
3: I'm, you know, I always tell everybody, I'm like, don't ask me anything about directions. That's the one thing that God did not bless me with. I mean, ask me about anything else, but not directions. I will <laughs> use my. Same navigation here. To the same,
2: <laughs> same here. I have the worst spatial awareness. Yes. Wonderful. And I admit it. And yes, I'm not ashamed. It's okay. Right? It's okay. Yeah, I can't, I'm can't good, at good at other things. Right. We can't
1: be good at everything.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: So. <laughs> What has been some of the pushback from uh, people wanting wards? You know, I know I mentioned earlier that the city might not be as big as the other cities that do have it. Uh, what are what what has other pushback been so far about wards?
2: So we've heard a lot of things, right? Yeah. Um, honestly, a, a lot of it is baseless. Um, so people will say. Oh no! You're gonna be dividing up the city. We're one Dearborn. We don't want you dividing us into, you know, uh, enclaves of different, you know, ethnicities and groups and whatever. My answer to that is: to me, there is nothing more divisive than than exclusion. Yes. There's nothing more divisive than exclusion, and if you look at the city, if you take, uh, you know, a look at around the city, you'll see the divisiveness. This at-large system is divisive mm-hmm. because it gives some folks representation and other fo- folks no representation. It gives certain regions of the city a voice, and it deprives other regions of the city a voice. So, if they
3: want one city, then why not allow
2: everyone? At the table. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And I think um, when we have everyone, when everyone has a seat at the table, I think we create more harmony in our communities. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think it's uh, it's not divisive. it's actually it creates harmony in, in the community.
0: i I'm, I'd like to hear your responses because, you know, people want to hear what's the other side of it. And so that's why I'm going to ask you another question where, you know, again, reading upon this stuff is like what you want to read and see... What are some other pushbacks? So for those for those for the crowd that says, Why don't these people from these areas like East End or South End vote for their people to become on the council? Like, you know, why do they need wars? Like, why don't they just get one of their people to be on the council? It's not West Dearborn's fault that they got people coming out to vote. Your response would be what to that? Ooh like like
2: that that question has a a, a lot of layers. Yeah. <laughs> so, um I mentioned one part is um you know, income. The South End is uh one of the lowest uh in, you know, it, it's a region with the lowest income uh in the in the entire city. Um so when someone from the South End decides to run the people who know uh, who know most about that person, they know their work ethic, they know their advocacy, they know their... Um, uh, they believe in them and they want them to be their voice. They can't really put in a lot of money into uh, their campaign. Um, and uh, campaigns are very expensive. Mailers cost a lot of money. Um, advertisements cost a lot of money. Door knockers cost a lot of money. Um, and so especially if you're a minority and you're not able to, without any name recognition and you're not able to raise uh, a lot of money, you don't have a chance. Um, Also, um, some folks uh, say, well, why don't they just vote? Well, in my opinion, at-large systems are uh, a recipe for voter apathy because... When folks come out, when folks from the South End and in the East End come out time and time and time again to vote for the people they're excited about, and they're they they, they they're always rejected by the other side of the city, they, they can never win, um, it's frustrating. And so people feel like, well, my voice at the end of the day won't matter. Right. Why would I even waste my time and vote? Mm-hmm. And these are um, communities, you know, of... Uh, Immigrants um, And, and you know, for, uh, first and second generation immigrants, a lot of them are, you know, newcomers. They're um, ha- they get here and having to start, uh, you know, an entire new life uh, with with uh, with no <laughs> established network. So they have to build the network. Um, some of them work two to three jobs uh, and able to uh, provide food on the table for their little ones. Um, it's not easy. And so uh, when they feel like, well, my voice is, isn't going to matter, a lot of them end up not voting. People divest from the systems mm-hmm. that uh, don't work in their favor. And mm-hmm. the at-large system does not work for us. 100% true.
0: No, I, I, I love everything that you're saying. And I'm happy that you're able to answer these questions uh, because just in case anybody watches this later and, you know, we're wondering... The same things, and now you will be able to address it. So, do you have people in mind? Like, is there like a team that you guys have already to like are ready like to jump into that position if that is allowed? And what's the process like, by the way, to allow wards in Dearborn?
3: What can we do to to make this
2: come about? Yeah. Okay, so uh, we're organizing right now. Um, we haven't thought that far okay. <laughs> about you know who's gonna run for what. Yeah. Um, first, th- first things first is we want the commissioners to vote yes on including wards in the new charter. Mm, And we have three important deadlines, three important dates to keep in mind. The first one, uh, so the charter commission has a public engagement survey, which includes a question about uh, whether, you know, you want, whether Dearborn residents want to include, to continue with the current at-large system, or if they want, um, a ward, a district, an all-districted system, or if they want a hybrid system, a mix of wards and uh, at-large seats. So the deadline for that survey is March thirty-first. So I would encourage everyone to uh, who lives in Dearborn to um, find that survey. You can find it on. Um, Dearborn wants wards page. The, uh, there's a page on Facebook and a page on Instagram. It's at Dearborn underscore wants underscore wards. W A R D S. Um, fill out the survey, circulate it, share it with you know your family, your friends, your network, and and make sure that your voice is heard. If you want wards, make sure that you let them know you want wards. Um, the second important. Uh, date is going to be April 26th and that's our uh, that's the second and final ward study session so there's a specific study session where the Charter Commission uh, is going to invite experts and the public to speak on, on wards so that's April 26th please show up and please speak up And
0: um, Where where do you want them to show up at, by the way?
2: It's going to be at the Dearborn Administrative Center, usually where the council uh, meetings are. Okay. mm -hmm, For the city council meetings uh, are. So that's
0: strictly Uh, just for that topic about wards?
2: Yes, yes. Okay. So the entire meeting is going to be about wards. Um, The third deadline is May 3rd, and that's when the commissioners get to vote yes or no on whether they want to include uh, wards in the new charter.
0: And when will that officially, if they vote yes, when will that be enacted?
2: So after that, um, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, maybe they'll have um, an independent commission draw up the wards and, and, and uh, in a fair way, um, and then it'll be on the ballot with uh, the, the revised charter is going to be on the ballot in February of 2024. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Wow, inshallah, everything works out
2: Inshallah, Ya Rab And also, email Friendly. the commissioners uh, If you live in Dearborn And you're really passionate about repre- fair representation And having your voices heard um, And you really, really want to effectuate change uh, That'll last for decades Literally <laughs> um, Email the charter commissioners Email the charter commissioners Let them know that, you know wards are very necessary for a fair democracy. Um, email them and let them know that, um, show, up to the, show up to the study session the, on April 26th and uh, let them hear from you directly um, and make sure you fill out the survey.
3: So people don't realize like if wards don't come about, this is a whole nother 12 years of at-large um, representation where mm. the south end and the east end won't have enough representation mm-hmm. where the, the things that you're struggling with won't get solved so this is a big deal
2: it's a huge you know? deal
0: Yes. So, well, it's a really yeah. big deal so uh, great points by the way um, uh, when is the process of like, like once you guys let's say you get approved right um Who gets voted in or like how do you get voted in or are you guys going to, like how how that happens?
2: Okay, so if the Charter Commission decides, yes, we're going to include wards in our new charter, Um, maybe an independent commission, um, you know, uh, breaks up the wards, creates the wards. Uh, And so each ward will have people run for a council seat or a Charter Commission seat to represent that specific ward. And it has to be someone who lives there, lives in that ward. So they'd be keen to the issues and the problems and the injustices that the na- their neighbors are going through every day. And it's not just they hear about them or they drive through the neighborhood you know, every once in a blue moon, no, they live there. They experience those things every single day. So um, yeah, they'd have to live there. Um, and so each ward will have, you know, maybe multiple people running for the same seat.
3: And then that ward gets to vote for the person. So no matter what, someone from that place mm-hmm. is going to be picked.
2: No yeah. matter what, it's always, it always has to be somebody who resides there, right. which yes. is what we want.
3: I just want to say that the city of Dearborn is very, very fortunate to have you here. Yes.
2: <laughs> Honestly,
0: ahead,
3: advocating for that and for everyone and just making sure that everyone gets, you know the correct representation and uh, I just want to say you know kind of side note, but kind of even uh, going to our next question recently I was added into the United Yemenites of America uh, whatsapp group and I'm <laughs> telling you guys I haven't really um, talked much in it because I just feel like I am definitely like the women in this group are amazing like from all over the United States at, like just the the different pushes that they're pushing for for mental health for the wards just just for anything also the networking the different opportunities for um, professional development like I'm just like I'm for like what mom? the heck I did not even know this is even like this community even existed you know <laughs> so mashallah like, I'm so happy to gotten to know you and to be even you know I don't even know who added me in there to even be added in there you know and it's an honor you know so um
0: before, before yeah. we even give her that question, okay. because there's kind of be like a shift in focus, I want to give a shout-out to our second sponsor of today, which is going to be BC Adhesives, our great friends over there in Wisconsin. So shout-out to BC Adhesives. We're going to run that ad, and then, yes, we're going to definitely dive into this part right here because I'm looking forward to hearing what Mona has to say about all this as well. So go ahead and BC Adhesives. Let's give a shout-out to BC Adhesives. BC Adhesives. You can go to BC Adhesives for all your industrial adhesives needs. They do food packaging, book binding, product assembly, and many other industrial services. So, if you are in need of adhesives for your business or having trouble with your current adhesives applications, you can contact them by phone, 1 679 9825, or go on their website, www.bcadhesives.com. All right, so I did a great segue into the next question. Uh, I don't know where this came from, but I feel like the last few years, uh, and I'm so proud, like, Abid was just saying, I'm so proud. I'm so proud because... You're opening doors You know You guys are opening doors That were never opened before And uh, You know You could like Right now You're proud of the moment But I'm proud of the long run Of the effects mm-hmm. That it's going to have On the future And the future Like I Personally my mindset Was the reason why I kind of do the things That I do Is because I want my daughter To grow up in a world Where everything is normal For her You know what I mean mm-hmm. uh, And so it, With people like yourselves uh, Leading the way it's It's really 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 possible You know And so tell us like what's this wave of yemeni women that just decided to come together and say like hey we're going to and it's not just in michigan it's not just in michigan Mm -hmm. it's in new york it's in dc it's you know it's everywhere so Mm -hmm. california uh what happened well i I really want to know like what's this origin story of these yemeni women coming together and supporting one another and 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 uh, being out there vocally uh Talking about issues that revolve their communities or around their communities.
2: I think it's always been within us Yemeni women. I think uh, we have a rich heritage of strong, dynamic, wise Yemeni women in leadership who Why effectuated <laughs> who effectuated you know who who have been effectuating change in our communities historically and now. Uh, whether it's Queen Balqis, or Arwa, or Asma, uh, you know, amazing Yemeni female leaders who ruled Yemen and and, and did an an incredible job (laughs) ruling Yemen. Um, Or whether it's us today. Um, I think Yemeni women bring a very unique, um, very unique background, experiences to leadership. Um, and that's why we're so great at it Um, women in general are just nurturers at heart so we have a strong pulse on our society's needs Mm -hmm. Um, so when we see issues or crises or we're we're quick to you know um, group up and uh, we're and find a solution find solutions yeah we're solution oriented
1: problem solvers
2: we're problem solvers yes Um, now I want to give a, uh, a little bit of history of of Yemeni, you know what Yemeni women had. <laughs> I love had it. We're both of are great at that. Yeah, it's a little bit of a long story. So <laughs> okay, fine, we we're yeah. ready for it. Okay, so I'm j- I have to paint a picture of what Yemen was like when my mom was growing up. Okay. Um, so. Uh, You know, Yemen was ruled by the Mitwakkilite family, I think, from 1918 to 1962, about 42, 44 years. I don't know. I can't do mental math. And and (laughs) we wouldn't know. (laughs) Um, And so, uh, you know, they ruled Yemen and they kept Yemen isolated from the rest of the world. And they ruled northern Yemen. So southern Yemen doesn't really uh, fall into this. Um, I think Aden was occupied by Britain. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, but North Yemen was ruled by uh, the imam 's family, the meakilites, and um, they isolated us from the rest of the world. they overtaxed farmers they um, people lived in poverty um, you know they took the wealth uh, the pe- they overtaxed farmers and took the money and held on to it and just lived a lavish lifestyle and they didn 't invest back into Um, infrastructure into schools into the people Mm -hmm. so I remember stories about you know my grandma saying that she used to go to bed hungry Mm -hmm. um, and she would take her hijab and wrap it around her stomach uh, so that she wouldn't feel the hunger while she's sleeping so she can fall asleep Um, and then my my mom and dad said I hear similar stories from them Uh, you know they lived in hunger uh, there was a lot of poverty um, growing up they didn't have access to schools in their village there were no schools yeah. so my mom unfortunately can't read or write in either language um, my dad never received a formal education he just learned um, a little bit of Quran under a tree outdoors <laughs> um, and a little bit of literacy um, and so uh, you know he learned how to write um, and so, you know, it was very different back then. Mm. Um, and then here we are today. So like we come from, like I come from a family where all elder women are illiterate. Mm. They're amazing women. Like I, I can't, I can't stop, but you know, I can't, I always think about how, what kind of women and what kind of accomplishments my grandmother would have would have uh, had if she had the opportunities, opportunities. that I have today because my grandma was a badass. <laughs> she was oh amazing woman, so generous, so respected, so, you know, she's just incredible. Uh, my mom also, a generous woman, very kind, very empathetic, um, but unfortunately they just didn't have opport- the opportunities that we have today. Um, so yeah, I grew up around uh, you know all of the elders in my elder women in my family were illiterate. So I didn't see um, strong and independent. I couldn't see myself in a strong independent mm. female role role models. So I struggled when I went to well I we me and my siblings were the first ones to go to school. Period. Mm. You know we're not just first generation college students. We're first generation <laughs> elementary students. <Wow. laughs> So, it, it was a struggle, um, and because your parents didn't go through the educational system, um, you kind of were doing it on your own and learning on your own. We had to figure it out yeah. on our own, yes, and that's a struggle too. Um, on top of that, you, you know, you feel like you—I felt like I've always—I always didn't belong in these spaces because I couldn't see myself in any positions th- like that. In the administrators, the mm-hmm. teachers, the. The politicians, the, you know, city council people, nobody. That's true. And the media. um, And that's why representation is so important. And that's why representation matters. Um, So, yeah, us Yemeni women, like the things we're able to do today and the things we're able to accomplish despite our background, the challenges and obstacles that we've, we had to overcome we had to uniquely overcome mm-hmm. and this is unique to Yemen I think because it's one of the poorest countries in the Arab uh, world and, um, and a lot of the other Arab countries you know, for them they've always had schools. Mm-hmm. For Yemen schools were a new phenomena mm-hmm. they were just like maybe a handful in, in the capital but there were no access to schools in rur- rural areas at all um, so, and the thing is, I think it would be safe to assume that any Yemeni woman who's my age, it's safe to assume that um, her parents, their parents, have come from a similar background. 100%. You know, yeah. mom is illiterate, uh, father never had a formal education, just learned how to read and write, and and look at a th- look at the things that we're able to accomplish today. You know, that's that's special.
3: 100%. Because not only did we have to, uh, I don't know if you had a similar, we had to kind of fight to go to school, too, because it wasn't a norm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, growing up, not having, I mean, now the pop- our population has grown immensely. Mm-hmm. But growing up, I only had three girls that were like Yemeniads yeah, going to school with me, you know? And it was yeah. like, oh, my God, everything was so scary to our parents, you know? Yes. Like going to high school or going to college or whatever. So you had to right. kind of like... Um, you know make sure that they were okay because like I couldn't go to college unless I got married Mm. you know Mm -hmm. so just them being afraid of of, um, the cultural norms here in America and for our parents to kind of understand that you know this is actually a good thing you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying Yeah. so we had to fight that and also kind of pave our own way because we didn't have nobody to look up to you know so no, it's- Well, it's look at you now. I mean, <laughs> look at you, girl. That's not yeah. even, I can't, I'm still-
0: How was college for you? Like, was it like similar to what she was just saying too? Like, it was just not easy because of the fact that there was not many people, Yemeni yeah, women?
2: So like I said, um, I, I dealt with a lot of imposter syndrome. I felt like, you know, I always doubted myself, doubted whether I, I am actually capable of doing these things. of completing college, finishing college, becoming a pharmacist, you know, finishing the doctor, doctor of pharmacy program, I always doubted myself. I was, you know, it was one of my biggest fears. And also, you know, what scared me the most was a statistic that uh, I found, um, that I learned about in one of my English classes. And it was that, um, it was about how children whose parents never attended college that they were much more likely I don't know what the percentage was to be high school dropouts or college dropouts as well so in my mind I'm like what my my parents never went to college Mm -hmm. hello my mom my parents never went to school yeah so does does that that mean (laughs) what does that you know what does that mean for me Mm -hmm. and that scared the crap out of me it really scared wow. me. So I worked twice as hard as uh, anyone else because I, was, I just didn't want to be that statistic. Mm-hmm. And I also um, kept thinking about my daughter. Yeah. I kept thinking of how difficult it was for me growing up without having that strong female role model in my family. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to break the cycle for my daughter. I wanted to make sure that she had someone to go to in me.
3: So i have a question for you
2: mm-hmm.
3: who was your uh role model growing up or your your biggest inspiration
2: uh my biggest inspiration is my dad my mm. dad my father has always been my biggest inspiration he's my hero okay
3: I, we have we have a story before you continue talking <laughs> about him i just want to share this story real quick so uh we went to this arabic american convention we were invited to and we didn't know anybody It was like one of our first Kind of You know media was just starting off um, And Was it you in and Omar um, Yeah It was me and Omar uh, During that time And uh, we walk in You know Kind of shy We don't know where to sit We don't know where to go And her dad I'm telling you He's like Come over here Come sit with me Aww. Made us feel comfortable Like he
0: knew us by the way Like it was very comfortable And, and it, Divided us over
3: and 100 because you know everybody has their little groups and their clicks and their tables and you're you don't want to just sit anywhere yeah and mashallah alay like he was you know talking about a little bit about his story about his book that you wrote and um you know after talking we got to know that we kind of knew somebody you know so uh it was great guy you know I can just for him to be at that type of event just talk just you know
2: and he hasn't he hasn't met you before. No, that was the Until first ben time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the first time. Oh, this is the yeah. first time you hear this story
1: too?
3: Yeah. <laughs> oh. So,
0: we uh which eventually led us to meeting Salwa and Mona because then we We ended eventually, up, yeah, yeah. We ended up joined the it. table. Yeah. 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 So,
2: um, my, that's my dad. My dad is, uh, has a huge heart. He's an amazing person. Um, I, I don't know anyone like my dad <laughs> and I'm, and I'm not bragging about him cause he's my father. I, the, you know, anyone who knows him knows he's an incredible human being.
0: Well, we know that because we've met his daughters as well. They're <laughs> incredible people as well. So, uh, definitely uh, a great group of individuals as well. So is it just you and Selwa or you guys got other siblings as well? Or,
2: uh, I have three other sisters so we're uh five sisters and one brother my brother is uh an electrical engineer at ford he's like the smartest one out of all of us (laughs) he's like he's amazing (laughs)
0: so uh we 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 listen we've been going right at you with a bunch of questions uh believe it or not we're kind of reaching the tail end of this all uh, and you were saying that you were going to be great at this. Look how great you were. You did an amazing job. <laughs> it's your show. Uh, I
2: have right. stage fright. I'm, I, I admit it. Like, I always get nervous. <laughs> yeah. So what? And I'm, I'm not used to it. this.
0: Yeah. <laughs> for sure. For sure. So, with that said, all right, this is called the Motivational Minute. Uh, I kind of talked to you about this uh, the other day. Motivate Me 313 Minute. Uh, basically, this is where, we, you know, we want to get advice for people. Uh, and I basically records this, you know, better quality and everything like that. So, Uh, My question to you is what advice do you have for women or just anybody in general realistically who wants to be a vocal on issues But is afraid to share their thoughts So, someone that wants to go out and and speak up their mind on things But are kind of afraid about backlash or anything like that. What would you tell them?
2: Your voice is unique your voice is your power Um, you can have a million people talk about the same topic, the st- same issue, the same concerns. But you have to remember that you always bring a unique perspective, especially based on our uh, unique backgrounds, our unique experiences. Uh, you know, I might say something that may resonate with 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 her, uh, you know, more. And you might say something about the same topic that may resonate with someone else more. And to Yemeni women, I want them to, um, you know, Yemeni women or anyone in general, just remember where you come from. Remember who you are. Don't ever forget where you come from. And honor your parents' story. You know, I, 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 um, my dad is the most uh, inspirational person to me because of his immigration story. It was a really um, tragic but inspiring one. And so anytime I go through something difficult or anytime I hesitate to speak up on an important issue, I remind myself, Muna, remember, you're doing it for your ancestors, you're doing it for your immigrant pa- uh, parents who, or, or the other, Im- you know, other immigrants who can't speak the language, can't advocate for some- themselves, they don't have a voice. You be their voice. You have privileges that they never had. Um, and you have a responsibility to speak up.
0: Go ahead and give that a round of applause. Beautiful. That was great. That was amazing. Uh, listen, thank you so much, by the way, Mona. Again, the guy, everybody out there. This was season two, episode 24 of Motivate Me Three's podcast. Uh, the title is Dearborn Wants Wars, or uh, Why Do Council Need Wars? Uh, but we kind of dove into even about these the Yemeni women that are doing great things in the community uh we've had a few of them on the show uh we can go from samara to Eman to negwa to your sister selwa uh to najat Nej- um I mean, the list goes on and on about a lot of women who are doing great things here uh in this area uh definitely want to start getting even people out there just i'm not a big fan of zoom i love doing in 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 house uh interviews okay. mm-hmm. uh but you know, I know Debbie al Montasser. She's amazing. I know you've been mentioning her to me. I actually met her. Petra. So we, and she, yeah, Petra, Petra
2: Sufi. Yeah. Yes.
0: So we definitely want to phenomenal,
2: get out. phenomenal Yemeni leadership, uh, Yemeni female leadership. And my advice to everyone out there is: create spaces for Yemeni women to lead. Create spaces for those most marginalized, for those most excluded. If you're in a position of power, make space for others to lead and to represent their communities, because no one's going to represent a community better than someone who knows it knows that community yeah. best.
0: And that's why Dearborn needs wards, right? Yeah, there. There. there you <laughs> go. <laughs> 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 yeah, the uh, rabbi's going to give me a round of applause. That is the whole day, man. I was joking, Ramsey. But listen, uh, any final words, Sarah? Any final comments? Thank
1: you so much for, like you said, speaking up for people that don't have that. And the way you see as a responsibility just shows how much how your morals are and how much how dedicated you are for the society and everyone
2: around you.
3: I also want to say that I am so proud of you. Thank you. I'm proud of you as well, all of you.
2: You know, we look up to you. Oh my God! I look up so. to you guys. And, and you guys are also amazing. And sweet
1: soul. Thank yeah. you. And you so have much. a normal like you have a job too. Like all this, it's so
2: <laughs> thank inspiring. you so much. I am so inspired by all of you, all three of you. Um, you know, creating the space to uh, for for Yemeni voices, for Arabi voices, for Muslim voices, for the community, empowering voices uh, from our community. This, this right here is really special. And, um, and the fact that, you know, uh, you embrace your sisters and bring them on to the show with you and empower them and uplift them and, uh, and, and um, appreciate their, their, their voices is really, really touching. It's really
0: Thank you. And I mean, it's just like you were saying, uh, you have the opportunity. I, I, we all figured that would be a great situation uh to have them come over here and and have these conversations and also uh make it comfortable for people like yourself to also come on here and and share that conversation as well so well, you know we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Seriously, we appreciate the whole family. Next time we could get your sister and your dad on I the
2: was just show. <laughs> <that. We> <laughs> I, I want to meet him too. Now <laughs> it'll him. be a whole family affair. Thab, Thab Thab probably Maori, share so. his uh, um, immigration story. Oh, that's a very um, interesting. You know
0: one. what? Believe it or not, that is going to be one of the shows that we have to do because I was actually talking to late for law. This was last year, and and someone mentioned to me like, you got to bring two old school guys that will come on the show and share their story and and just kind of share wisdom to the people the younger generations and i was like yeah we got to make that happen mm-hmm. so uh put that down for sure that we're gonna definitely have to make that happen <laughs> all uh, right Inshallah. baba you're
2: not you're up next yeah <laughs>
0: there you go so we're gonna definitely have to give them on a show uh thank you any final comments you want to say
3: for no, just, um, we need words in Dearborn. <laughs> we there need wards. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's make it happen. Wait, do you want them to follow or to?
2: Um... Yeah, yes, one yes, last yes, time.
0: Yes. One last time. You want to Yes, please
2: out. follow um, Dearborn Wants Wards on Instagram. It's at Dearborn underscore wants underscore wards. Wards is spelled W-A-R-D-S. Um, on Facebook, it's Dearborn Wants Wards, um, and yeah. Um, Fill out the survey, um, show up to the study session on April 26, and email your charter commissioners. Ask them, demand wards, ask them to vote yes for wards.
0: Ramsey, can we just do it one last time, give this whole show another one, one last round of applause? Uh, shout out to all the sponsors, BC Adhesives, the Balkan House, Tahoe House, Hanlington National Academy. We appreciate them. Um, also just want to throw this out there I didn't do it yet but uh, Friday March 17th is the Hamtramck versus Dearborn basketball game hopefully you'll see people like Mona as well uh, her and her sister and her dad and everybody else of course you'll probably see all of us there as well uh, should be another great one Team Dearborn uh, this year chill out <laughs> <laughs> we'll say that out loud gonna have people <laughs> hate you, hey I'm, g-
2: I'm gonna be rooting for my people I'm yeah, sorry sure. no, I'm
0: not gonna root can't.
2: for whoever wins cause I'm a
0: sore loser <laughs> 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 I wanted them to win. I wanted them to win the whole time. <laughs> I mean, at the end.
2: Hamtramck, la- one last time, right? Yeah. They did.
0: And I
3: was no, on their they, side. Uh, uh, I was still living there. Been playing Guta. Yeah. Oh, uh, so w- you know what? I'm gonna. Since my brother is on the Hamtramck team, I'm definitely going to um,
2: support. Them. Oh, you're playing this time? No, no, no but I are they, are Oh, I okay. uh, am
0: yeah. Okay. I'm just MCing. I'm not playing. Oh, but okay. It should be fun. It's 35 and older for those that are watching. But oh, wait a second. Why is the, the rules? You got to be 35 and older and in a specific league that they're already in. Uh, But, yeah, looking forward to that. It should be another great event. Uh, Thank you for those that are watching or that will eventually watch. We hope that you learned something. We hope that you enjoyed this show. We'll be back again next week, same, well, similar time, 6 o'clock on Tuesday. Looking forward to that. We hope you have a great one. Be safe. Take it easy. And we'll see you all next week.